Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. You should know these things. You should be telling me to check my internet. <laughs> Next time, remember. Yeah. All right, here we go then, Tiff. Welcome to episode six of Love Cars on the Grid podcast. No formal one to discuss, but an action-packed weekend from the main motorsports events from around the world, which included the third round of the World Rally Championships in Croatia, which saw another last-stage heartbreak for Elfin Evans. And in, as in Italy, it was Sebastian Ogier who's the man who benefited from uh, Elfin's era. So good for Sebastian, not so good for Elfin, Tiff. So close, so 0.6 of a second. I mean, he'd hovered in sort of second or third place for most of the rally. You know, this is three days, and he ends up, you know, it comes down to the last stage where he, he had a 2.8 second, or I think it was a three-second lead going into the final power stage. Uh, and then we saw one moment right towards the end when he, he had to go across an apex, he got a bit out of shape, but uh, whether that lost him the, the three seconds, he was already slightly down, but yeah, I mean... Oh, I'm surprised, I'm surprised how close it is over the whole weekend. I'm really surprised with the times. I mean, of course it, it staggers me. Yeah. It staggers me. When I first did rally, I did the rally GB twice now, and you tend to mention how far behind per mile you are. I mean, it's all kilometers now, but you know, if you got within sort of four seconds a mile of a regular driver, you know, you were doing well. I think when I started, I was like eight seconds per mile slower. Than the people fastest in my class. I'm just racing. How can I be? How can I be eight seconds per mile? You think of a Brands Hatch short circuit. You know that's 1.2 miles, and you know everyone's covered by tenths. But of course, in rallying, one mile has got so many obstacles, tight corners, surface changes, jumps, hoops, and um, you don't know where you're going. But nowadays, it's just stunning how close they are over three days. How they can do these. Everyone's moaning about, you know, loose gravel all over the road, and yet they all come out still managing uh, the same times. It, it's staggering how professional, how advanced rallying's become and how good both the drivers and, of course, the co-drivers who are, are so important, the faster the cars are going nowadays, that reading of the notes, the detail of the notes, if you listen to them, it's so extensive. And yet these drivers are able to take in what's happening in five corners ahead of them time, uh, while still reacting to the corner they're going through at that moment. So it, it's incredible. And it's, they're so relaxed that the, the Nicky Grissom yeah. world, they're so relaxed when they're saying <laughs> it's, it's just incredible. And, and, and like you said, to, to compute that amount of information, driving absolutely on the limit the whole time. But so I think Elfin's time is definitely going to come. And I, hopefully once that duck's sort of broken in that, in that sense, he'll go on to win uh, many more. But other Brits, not very many of them, sadly. <laughs> Well, I know we did have some success. We'll get that out to a minute. But I mean, out of the 66 entries, we only had four British drivers. And it's a, it's a great shame that we've got no Rally GB this year. The British Rally Championship is sort of going through tough times. And we seem to have lost our way in the rallying world. I mean, the, the cost of, of rallying has gone up and up and up with the forestry charges going up. So it's become more expensive. We've got less kids starting rallying in this country um but, you know we've got gus greensmith he's one of the, the factory four drivers and there's only eight you know factory sometimes nine factory entries in the world rally championship and, you know gus you know he, he was a british junior champion in 2014 and 
he's funded his own way into the World Endurance Championship. And he, he actually won the, the second class WRC2 at Monaco in 2019. Uh, and he switched into the factory team WRC. Uh, but he's struggling this year. He can't get on the pace. He finished, what, seventh or eighth, I think he was in the end. He was seventh in the Ford. Uh, so we got Gus Greensmith there in one of the top cars, but not really able to, to get up the front. Then 16th overall, with just four drivers. Uh, Chris Ingram, you know, really talented British driver. He won the, the European Championship in 2019. Uh, the first British driver to do that what, for uh, 52 years. Wow. So, you know, Chris has gone out there, financed himself. He's in the World Rally Championship, now doing WRC2. Um, you know, and he would love a, a chance at the top, but there's so few cars at the top. There's only eight or, as I said, nine WRC cars that he entered. Um, but two places behind him, 18th overall. We had some success. A British winner in the Junior World Rally Championship. This is the first of just five of the rallies that have the junior class in it. And that was John Armstrong with, um, who was on the notes? Phil Hall. Phil on Hall. The notes. Yeah. yeah. You have to mention the, the coach. Obviously, he's a racing driver. I ignore the coach drivers, but they're becoming more and more important. So we have to give due credit to the guys that sit in the right-hand seat and, and guide the drivers. So, you know, just thought it was fantastic that we had a winner in the brilliant. Junior World Rally Championship. Quite, John. So well done, John. And well Phil. done, John and Phil. It's quite funny, though, because they say junior. They're both in their mid-20s, I think. And uh, who is the, who's that little um, protege in the... In the um, uh, Motor GP, well, 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 yeah, the 16 year old, uh, <laughs> he's, yeah, but, he's a but the Swedes, uh, but the Scandinavians, you're Robin Pera, who's leading the championship, who crashed out in the first stage spectacularly, and he's only 19 or 20. So, uh, coming through where rallying is still a big thing in the sport in Scandinavia, you know, the kids are going rallying and, and everybody's rallying because they have these stages in the snow and. So other countries are producing rally drivers and we're not because we haven't really got the infrastructure going. It's a bit of a dying thing in Britain, which I'm really frustrated about. And I think the rallying in general, I'm worried where it's going. Um, next year, we've got these hybrids being added into the cars. So we've got the three manufacturers, Toyota, uh, Hyundai and Ford. And they've got, to have this, they've got to have this hybrid package, quite how they're going to use it, whether it's a boost button or when they use the extra power, I don't yet understand. Um, but there was already talk of them delaying that for next year, to which Malcolm Wilson at M Sport at Ford said, well, if they delay that, we won't be here because um, Ford want the hybrid in the cars. But it's made it more expensive. You know, I don't think it's going to attract more manufacturers. Whereas I'm a bit of the old school, maybe. There's a, a big lot of rally people that say, well, let's all go WRC2. They're called the R5 cars, which is probably, you know, 30 in the rally. And I think I'd rather down tech. I'd say the same thing about Formula One. I get told I'm an old Neanderthal, dollar, and you know we want the <laughs> highest science. We must have the peak of science. Uh, but, you know, we'll talk about IndyCar later that doesn't have the, the peak of science. It's producing better racing, in my opinion. And I think you know, Ogier said I wouldn't go to an R5 car. You know, I'm not going to lower myself to less tech. But um, you know, less tech means a lot less money smaller budgets and more drivers and you've been able to, to win yeah. more accessible yeah so yeah rallying it's uh, it's still so spectacular watch such incredible talent but still has this big question mark about where it's going in the future yeah well uh, good for the lads good for the british lads elfin good luck for uh, for the next round and of course the you know yeah
that wasn't the other I was going to say. I've cocked up here. Can we say that on a podcast? <laughs> no, you can't say that on a podcast. I was jumping to another bit, but yes, do carry on, Paul. You're in <laughs> Thank charge. Thank you. I've got a nice tenuous link. You're talking about high tech and a little bit of hybrid. I'm going to go all electric to the other big event, which is round five and six of, the, of course, the Formula E Championship from Valencia. But it wasn't on the streets of Valencia. It was actually turned out to be a, uh, <laughs> on the track, and it was a little bit... Oh, look, I don't want to say it, but it was a little bit embarrassing, particularly on, on Saturday. That was, it was, a, and if you have, if you didn't see it or you're not aware, Tiff, would you <laughs> do your honours? Because it was a, it was a, it was a farce. We're not anti-Formula E. We keep We're following not, it. Not at all. Commenting on it. You know, yeah. talking about electric uh, powers. We've got a great YouTube video up now on Love Cars when I'm on an electric bike and Paul's an electric Porsche and Ben Collins, the Stig, has joined us in something that's also electric. But anyway... Go watch us. We're following ease on the road. And I don't mind ease on the track. Rallycross works so well. You know, we've been out in the electric rallycross car. But yeah, I think formerly with the Trumpets, they've made this set of regulations. They seem to shoot themselves in the foot too often. And this week it was a double barrel shotgun, you know. Because first of all, they weren't on the street track, which is their big, you know, USP. Well, that they was good. Go... I thought that was good. Yeah, I, yeah I they went around Valencia. It's a bit of a Mickey Mouse car. They still chopped that up and created two ridiculously tight chicanes because they have to have this deceleration to regen to keep the, the, the power going for the length of the race. But no, it was wet. They had safety cars because people fell off. And they've got this weird rule. They don't want you suddenly having more power so you can just race freely. They want the drivers to have to eke out the power for 45 minutes. So if there's an easy section where they have a pace colour that did about four times, they actually take away some of the power they're allowed to use for the length of the race so that it continues to be this strategy of, of, of eking out the amount of electricity you're, you're given. But the last pace car ended with just a lap and a half left to go and the regulation rule, but they were all like, okay, right, we have to deduct um, uh, five kilowatts or whatever the numbers One were. One kilowatt per hour per... per per hour, one kilowatt hour per minute will be subtracted. Per minute of safety. Yeah. So, so when they when they press the calculator and they said, right, you can all have five kilowatts less, they all didn't have enough electricity to do it, except for about two or three cars. So everybody just died and everybody's laughing. And again, if they just let them keep the power, we would have That'd an exciting brilliant. run to the finish, perhaps, you know. So I have to read this to you, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not mocking, not at all, far from it. I, any, you know, any sort of motor racing. <laughs> but um, the actual, the official uh, Twitter account after that race said, live sport, you just can't beat it for drama, can you? So <laughs> everybody's tearing their hair out saying, wow, that was embarrassing. You can't beat it, can you? I, I, well, I, think, I think it's quite interesting. I think uh, the Formula E organisers and promoters are beginning to realise that the, the, the average motorsport fan isn't enjoying Formula E. They're not watching it. They don't like the sound of it. And they're losing a big audience. And so the, the fact they've turned to employing 50 influencers um, recently to try and spread their word seems to me like they already realise they're trying to go and find a different audience, a new audience maybe, that um, aren't true motorsport you know, thoroughbred fans. Um, Tip, you know, it's, the, it's, it's the future. And, and it, you know, that I would like to say that I'm, I'm really bought into it, but I'm not, to be honest. It's too, too much bumping. It's, it's, it's like, it reminds me of old karting days, you know, where you're sort of bumping people around. And, and, and you just, because it's so frustrating for the guys, because like you said, those, some of those chicanes are just ridiculously tight. Yeah. 
and and you want to get in front and you want to win. They're very competitive. Well, They're incredible of, drivers, amazing. Yeah, drivers. you've got you've got some of the best drivers in the world because you know to get make all this eking out your EV and driving fast at the same time needs very, very talented drivers, and they are. And so when they're only doing 80 or 90 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour, they're a bit like on indoor go-karts, you know, to them, used to racing at 200 miles an hour. It's, you know, just push in and push them out. And the cars also have flat flat sides, so it's very easy to, to bang each other into corners. So, um, yes, I'm not... That. <laughs> They've just got to get more powerful motors that can last longer without having to lift and coast, I think. And uh, fortunately, anyway, on, on the Sunday, the second round was all nice and dry. And we had great news in Britain because Jake Dennis won the event, Brilliant. Um, which was fantastic news. But it was, a bit, it was a bit processional then because with a dry track and everybody driving on the one no, line. It wasn't processional. I think that's one of the first times ever uh, someone's led from the start, from the from the the green light to the checkered flag all the way that, through. That, that's the definition of processional, Paul. <laughs> no, but I said that was one of the first times ever. So it doesn't <laughs> oh, I see, yeah. No, no, it doesn't. It, well, that's true, yeah. No, but there was quite a bit going yeah. on behind, people banging through. But, you know, it was great for Jake Dennis. But, but Jake Dennis is another... We talked about Alex Pillow last week who got into IndyCars, a driver that had a lot of promise in the junior formulas but couldn't get a break. Jake Dennis... Just go back, right, 2015... Which is, you know, it's about, he was about 19 years old. He was doing the European Formula Three Championship. Really talented young Brit coming up. The champion. He finished third in the championship. And the winner of the championship that year was Felix Rosenquist, who was now doing IndyCar, top line single seater driver. Second was Antonio Giovinazzi, the Grand Prix driver. Behind Jake Dennis in fourth place was Charles Leclerc. You might have heard of him. Fifth place, Lance Stroll. I think he might also be in Formula One. Sixth place, some bloke called George Russell. You may have heard of him. <laughs> and in seventh place, um, uh, Alex Albon. So poor old Jake. You know, he, he must be kicking the television when he watches Formula One, thinking, how did I miss? And it is a frustrating sport if you haven't got the right backing and the right avenues. So it was actually wonderful to see Jake win a single-seater race. He gave up single-seaters, I don't know, about three years ago and started earning money in the GT world, doing very successfully and, you know, getting a reasonable pay as a professional driver, which is what so many young drivers do nowadays. Um, but he joined Formula E for this season and uh, he got off to a bad... Again, another thing about Formula E, I mean, he's at the bottom of the championship after three rounds because he's getting used to Formula E. But they have this qualifying system where the bottom of the championship group goes first. And, of course, it was all different conditions, which is why Jake you know, ended up on pole. It was a drying circuit. So the championship leaders that went last, went first, sorry, you know, had the slowest track and started at the back of the grid. So he took full advantage of that bizarre qualifying system they have. And it was really good to see. But a, a guy that should be in Formula One, I mean, he's, he's still a Red Bull development driver, so he's still hanging in there in the Formula One world. So, but, so um, Tiff, for, 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 for us uh, people that don't really know motor racing as well as you, the, the Wikipedia motor, motor racing, has has Jake still got a, an opportunity in Formula One? Is he too old now? Is he, Well, is... They, they've allocated them super licence points on Formula E, so they're trying to encourage Formula E as a route back into Formula One. Um, I find it hard to believe because there's so much talent sitting in, you know, GP2 and GP3 and a lot of that talent, the Ferrari Academy, the Renault Academy and Red Bull Academy, they're always sort of lined up as reserves for the future. So I don't think you'll ever get back. And, you know, he'll earn good money in Formula E. They're all earning really good money. So it's an attractive formula. 
He'll wish he was in a Formula One car every time he sits and watches <laughs> Formula not. One. But maybe not, you Jake. Know. If you're around, t- tweet us or something. Let us know. We'd I love- mean, Sam Bird. You know, Sam Bird, yeah. who led, led the championship early on. Of course, he has to qualify in that first group for the last two rounds. So he's been on the back foot ever since leading the championship. He had another very tough weekend. I think he finished in the in the low teens on both occasions. He's still hanging on there to third in the championship, Sam. So he's still there. But the Mercedes boys are the ones, Nick de Vries and uh, Stoffel van Dorn, who are the ones that survived, had enough power to finish uh, on the wet day. Uh, they're first and second of the championship now. And they do seem to have cars that they can use a bit more power and keep the range going. Because both of them, although they had to qualify in the, in, the, in the first wet group, they're managing to move up through the field during the races, which uh, other cars can't seem able to do. So Mercedes... Not only winning in Formula One, they seem to be breeding um, the best Formula E car at the moment. So we'll have to see how the championship develops. And I just think Formula E, they need to chill a bit and just step back and let a few rules go. And Because Van Dorn got moved from pole to the back of the grid on Saturday because he had the wrong tyres. Someone at Mercedes hadn't put the right numbers on a form or something. So he got demoted to the back of the grid. And I know we have to have rules to stop people cheating and mucking about, but there are times when I think you could just have a quiet reprimand and uh, not change the grid upside down. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a complicated um, series to watch and, and follow. I think if you, it, it, but but arguably that makes it exciting as well. So yeah, yeah, they're always there. everyone's there's lots of overtaking. It's a reverse grid almost every time because I said the quickest folks tend to end up at the back of the grid. Because next time they're at Monaco, so and they're actually running sort of the full circuit so that's going to be faster the monaco circuit they used in the past was the most horrendous sort of tight stupid <laughs> track um but now they're going all the way up the hill to casino square brilliant uh, they've tightened up a couple of corners putting sort of artificial chicanes to mean they'll have to slow down more to get their regen but even so it's going to be a very open circuit for formula E's, and whether they can uh, really race for 45 minutes and, and not have to do an awful lot of lifting and coasting to regen remains to be seen but um be sure and of course, talking to monaco we forgot to mention up front it was monaco historique uh last weekend and if any of you caught wow. it on the, on the internet it was just wow those <laughs> noise of those cars that i know that long ago and it was like you know i would say you know i talk about the past and people accuse oh you're looking through rose tinted glasses but you didn't need rose tinted <laughs> glasses to watch that i watched some of the races i couldn't catch all of it over the weekend because it was live on the internet but uh, stuart hall two british drivers stuart hall and michael lyons had this most amazing battle uh, michael was in the in the slower um, the slower 30s. I've seen the wrong name, haven't I? Stuart, yeah, it is Michael. Yeah, it is Michael. Uh, Michael, he got the best start of the 30s, and Stuart Hall was just on him in, in this McLaren for the entire uh, 60 lap race. They're just the cars moving around and being able to see the driver. It was a, it was a take back to the olden days. But sadly, on the other extreme, they had two former Ferrari stars, Rene Arnoux and Jean Alesi, in, in Ferrari 312s, like Nicky Lauda raced. And sadly, both ended up rather bent, which is always a bit sad. But um, Arnu did it in qualifying. And Alesi was leading. Alesi was holding off Marco Werner in a much more modern Lotus for lap after lap after lap. Amazing driving. But uh, somehow they touched uh, coming onto the start finish straight. Whether Alesi missed a gear, we don't know. But anyway, Werner turned him into the wall. And uh, that was another bent Ferrari. But of course, you know, they, they, people are happy a certain 
amount of onus for you to race these cars because bending a Formula One car, a modern car, costs the same as bending an old car. You're just replacing parts. And you know, it's only if it catches fire and burns to nothing that you'd really lose a car. So it was fantastic to see Rennie Arnoux and Jean Alessi out in those Ferraris, even if we they like, did end up a bit We like of... those kind of owners, don't we, Tiff? Yes. I mean, sadly, small entries this year, historic, because France and all coming back. I don't know how long Stuart Hall was going to take and Michael Lyons to come home and be stuck in a Heathrow <laughs> hotel or something. But uh, it was still fantastic to see reasonably full grids and, and fantastic entertainment. Speaking of entertainment, I love it. I love these little tenuous links you give me. We go over the pond now to what we're going to talk about first, NASCAR. Let's go through NASCAR. NASCAR and the IndyCar. Yeah, America was full on yesterday, and um, yeah. NASCAR was the ridiculous Talladega circuit. I mean, you've got, you know, championship leaders regularly ending up in huge crashes because they all go around full throttle the whole way, it's 200 crazy. miles an hour, just bumping each forward, bumping, bumping, bumping to make the car in front move two miles an hour faster than the lane on the left. <laughs> and, and of course, we had this huge spectacular accident with Joey Logano, um, got got punted they try to pull out all you've got to do is catch the cord and they turn and then they have you'll see flaps opening under the bonnet and over the roof uh, because they try to stop them lifting in the air when they go sideways and they do have these flaps that direct the air and stop the car taking off but joey got backwards at 200 miles an hour and the rear came up and he was just he was tumbling in mid-air and we had this amazing on board of bubba wallace who was in the pack behind and all of a sudden, through his windscreen was this car. It looked like a CGI. I mean, it looked completely unreal. It looked like Mission Impossible when their cars crash, you know. And it looked like Bubba was going to eat this car, but he just got underneath it as he as he moved left. But um, and so it went on. Plenty more huge shunts and and this the lane choosing. It's fan fascinating to watch if you really get into it because. Um, Matty Di Bonetto was leading in the lower lane with, you know, two laps to go, but the higher lane was coming two miles an hour faster. So at the last minute, he chose to leave the bottom lane and go up into the top lane. But then some people in the top lane dropped to the bottom lane, and then the bottom lane went three miles an hour faster than the top lane, and he ended up seventh or something. Uh, whereas um, um, Brad Kozlowski came through to win for Ford. So on, the only lap he led of the entire 500-mile race, it was... It's, there are dull bits, you know, times 30 is quite useful because when it goes yellow, there's big gaps and uh, there are periods of the race where they're all sitting just nose to tail and nobody's making any moves. Um, but yes, it's still great entertainment, I it's believe. It's still Talagaga uh, madness. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute madness. Uh, and then, of course, you know, also over in America, we had IndyCar going off the streets of St. Petersburg. Um, fabulous scenery, proper, you know, Formula E always goes about the, the racing series that goes to city centre streets, but normally it's not in the city centres at all, but um, the IndyCar race at St. Petersburg really is, well, it uses the runway of the, of the airfield as well. It's not a very good racing track, again, it was a bit processional at times, because there's only one time per lap they could overtake, um, but it was, it, it was still a great spectacle, because you see the car, the opposite lot going on, they're moving around, they have to refuel, they have to use two different types of tyre, a lot of strategy going on. Uh, and of course, Jack Harvey, our British lad that's out there now with a full-time ride, not in one of the top teams, but one of the affiliated teams. He had a fantastic run to fourth, uh, British Formula 3 champion in 2013, and uh, fantastic to see him getting to the top of a single-seater series. 
Um, Colton Kirby, who, Colton Kirby, who, who won it, Herter. I want to say Colton Kirby, that's another name from the past. Colton Herter won it out front, another young kid. They're trying to think about him coming to Formula One to get an American F1 with Liberty and everything else, the American influence. Um, but I think the other thing about the, the end of the St. Pete race was both Colton Kirby and Jack Harvey showed that the bliss is on their hands. And, of course, they've got no power steering, and it's a really rugged racetrack. The cars are bouncy. A Formula One car, the drivers have probably refused to go around it. It's well, too that, bumpy. That's, that's what Roman Grosjean said. He said that it was, without any question, the most physical 100 laps he's ever yeah, had in his life. Ever, yeah. And he finished what well, he finished down at about 13th, I think. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just learning the trade, I think, a little bit there. And I think I keep on questioning. I talk about Formula One. Oh, why do you have to have power steering? It makes it too easy. And there is this debate to me. Whatever sport we're watching, I think you want your competitors to be exhausted at the end. You know, yeah. it sort of it makes you feel that they they've really fought hard to win the marathon or the sprints. Or and and <laughs> as a driver, I'd love power steering, air conditioning, you know, creature comforts because you know I don't really want to have to fight the steering wheel. But there's something about the sport that I think it is good that the drivers are a bit knackered and exhausted. I'm with, at the I'm end. with you there. A good mate of mine, John Morrison, he um, uh, sold. Pagani's and uh, McLaren's and all sorts of stuff. But he was yeah, uh, I know John Rewa, yeah, Super V race champion, yeah. And one yeah. of my favourite photos of motor racing ever. I don't even know what the race was, but he is literally <laughs> out of the car, a bit like uh, the the Wolf of Wall Street in the Lamborghini. He's literally out of the car like that after his stint because he was knackered. And that that sums it up for me. That's uh, yeah. I, I'm with you there. You, well, you, I remember you know Nigel Mansell and, and, and yeah. And Senna, you're slumping on the podium. And I think we need a bit of that. We need to... That's why with the power steering on the Formula One cars, there's no kick in the steering wheel. So you, you go on board with, you know, Lewis doing most amazingly fast lap times. And he's just turning away. Oh, a little bit of... You know. No, Whereas it's the Indy we car, should... Let, let's the not... Car, let's, the Indy car boys are still... And then they're out of the corners and there's a bit of opposite lock and they're all... Yeah, but let's you, not you belittle see. the F1 guys because they are super fit. They're proper athletes. No, I know, but it doesn't look... This is the I thing, you know. Right, exactly. And, and <laughs> I think if they had... A, if they had Power, they lost their power steering. They would be. I think that was the main thing that wears you out as a driver, you know, You're apart right. from changing gear. Yeah. So if you took that away, you know, they might look a bit tired at the end instead of jumping out. You know, they don't look tired at all. The full and the G force. They are, as you say, they're amazingly fit nowadays. They're tuned athletes. And um, but I just think sometimes I don't want to make it harder for drivers. Because <laughs> I but the thing yeah, is, now, that, that, the you, now that you've retired, you want everyone to be knackered <laughs> every time they get out of the car. Well, the problem is that the thing that the power steering does is allow the engineers to have more caster on the front wheels, and that's what makes steering heavier. So if you can have any a human being take three or four degrees, they're running eight or nine degrees caster in a Formula One car to give more grip. So you take the power steering away, you've got to reduce grip. But of course, all the engineers in Formula One, they hate that. They hate giving anything away. But then it does tend to be the sort of given advantage, the driver with more muscles. That if you can run five degrees or six degrees cast where everyone else is exhausted, then you, you will have a faster car. Um, so there's no lots chance. of debates. Do we want drivers to be more physically tested or is that just a thing of the past? Uh, I'll tick the box. We'll the do a thing, quiz. Thing of the past, but Formula One... Um, this weekend goes to the Algarve. Amazing! I love the Algarve circuit in uh, in Portugal, of course. And I think, well, I think we all think it's going to be. We all hope it's going to be another Max and Lewis tussle. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Great track, spectacular ups and downs. So that should be good. 
you want to give me one two three? Do you want to give me a one two three there, or is it going to be the no, same one two no. three every week now? <laughs> <laughs> where's Where's the rain in Spain? Because of course, you know, we had rain in Valencia uh, with the Formula E's. I don't know what the weather forecast is in Portugal next week. Is it um, going to be nice? I don't know. So it's we always, always, like it's always nice in one. Portugal. Always nice. And you just said you're right. Uh, MotoGP heading to Spain, of course. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Will 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 a sixteen year old kid win three on the trot and uh, continue his amazing climb up the ladder? And tell us what's going on in terms of uh, other stuff around the world next week. What else have we got? Of course, we got the first round of the, of the Hypercar World Endurance Championship. New regulations for the Le Mans races. Very early days. Sadly, only three entries in the top class. Uh, you either have a hybrid Le Mans car or a. a American lot, but they're not joining until next year with their Daytona prototype. So two regulations beginning to join together, much less budget, cheaper to run, slower, everything else. Toyota are the only manufacturer in the in the class at Spa this weekend. Alpine have got a, a last year's car upgraded to the new regulations. So a bit disappointing there aren't more cars. The Glickenhouses were supposed to be there, but they can't get out yet. Uh, but of course, back. in the next couple of years, you know, we've got Porsche and Ferrari. The new regulations are attracting uh, a lot of the other uh, manufacturers. So it's a very exciting future for the World Endurance Championship, but maybe not this weekend. I think it'll be another Toyota procession, sadly, but there we go. Well, Spa, the place to be for sports cars. That's about it this weekend. Well, coming, isn't it? Car, um, I think it's they're going to a noble circuit this weekend in Texas. Well, that's so. right, yeah. They've got these three three formulas that they call them street races or road courses. And now it's a speedway. So they started with a road course, had the streets of St. Pete, now the flat out oval of Texas Speedway, uh, which is amazing speed. I think they run so close in those open wheel Indy cars at 200 miles an hour. And, yeah, so that's a good spectrum. NASCAR's somewhere, I'm sure. I haven't checked where. They're every weekend somewhere. <laughs> so, I mean, Sunday night, if you, if you pay for the satellite TV, whether it's Premier Sports or Sky, you know, there's always some guaranteed American ent- motorsport entertainment. And uh, I think if you stick with something, you tune in and get a boring race, you might never go back. But if you stick to these American former, and, you know, I think you'll grow into enjoying them a lot more. Good. And have you got any racing coming up? Anything for yourself? Well, I forgot to mention, <laughs> Tiffany Dow will be at Donington this weekend, racing an E-Type Jaguar and a Lister Nobly and a Ford Capri, uh, all part of John Spears' uh, stable of cars that he lets me race with him in, in one-hour endurance races. But, of course, no spectators. Okay. Well, good luck. So, good luck there. We look forward to discussing that next Monday. <laughs> Until then... Keep I, can assure, I can assure you, I'll certainly be exhausted after those three races. Yeah, so. you'll be you'll be feeling it. <laughs> Keep the comments coming. We love the comments, and and, and if we we are such a small team, we can't uh, respond to everything. We just physically haven't got the time because we've got to try and push our YouTube channel and also other social media as well. But um, but but we love going through the comments, reading the comments, and I'll reply uh, when I can. I'll reply when I can. Yeah, we all will. But thank you, and uh, yeah, see you next week. <laughs>